0: Welcome back to our series, uh, Changed. We've been talking the last couple of weeks about change. We've been talking about the gospel. How many of you enjoyed the series so far this morning? Right? You good? You've enjoyed it? How the gospel changes us, how the gospel impacts us. It impacts our life. We talk about, over the last couple of weeks, just to refresh your memory, we talked about how when you meet Jesus, when you run face into the gospel something's got to change, right? That the day you met Jesus, your life should have changed. Now, I know people, you can read in scripture, there's people that met Jesus and turned around, and the Bible says they walked away sad, right? So you still have a choice when you run into the gospel. It's how you respond determines where you're going to go, right? The rich young ruler that walked away sad, I don't know how long he stayed sad. But last week we talked about Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus climbing a tree to meet Jesus and Jesus came to his house and the Bible says that Zacchaeus was forever changed. He was so changed that he started giving back all the money he stole. Come on somebody, that's real change. That's like bills and change. I mean, he's, can you imagine Zacchaeus knocking on your door? (laughs) What's your first thoughts? Oh Lord, it's not even the third. The brother's already back. Dang. And you open the door and he's got a money bag. He goes, look, I, I'm sorry. I've cheated you. I've stolen from you. And And I met Jesus. And something about Jesus is just making me come see you and bring my money, bring this money back to you. And in some cases, four times as much. If you are the person answering the door, what do you feel like? Well, at first, uh-oh, but after he, after he says his spill, after he comes back and he gives you the money, what do you feel like? I mean, you should feel something inside, right? There should be a natural, physical feeling. Some of you probably would close the door and start doing the cabbage patch, the running man and the sprinkler and everything else that you knew how to do back in the day. Right. And then your husband would walk in and say, what in the heck got into you? But when you had time to stop and think about it, imagine what would have went through your mind when Zacchaeus, the guy that's been ripping you off for years, comes and he brings money back and he says that he's sorry and he repents. It should change you, Right. It should build up a curiosity in you, right? It should be Especially for all you analytical people. You probably pondered on that for a week or two. Like, what? Why do you think? What would make that ruthless, toothless, no good come and bring the money back? You see... Zacchaeus didn't normally want to go and hang out with the religious leaders because he was a thief and a criminal. He was a legal chemi- a legal criminal. He had chemicals, but he was a legal criminal.
1: <clears throat>
0: <laughs> but I, my own opinion, I believe somewhere in Zacchaeus's life, he ran into somebody who was changed by the gospel that built a curiosity in him. That made him get out of his comfort zone. Because when, when you go hang out with, with religious folk. They're going to tell you what you did wrong. Right? When you go follow the religious leaders. I mean there's something that happens. Right? But he got his curiosity so much. That he even climbed a tree the Bible says to see Jesus. You see how this works? You see how when the gospel impacts you. It can turn around and impact You that can turn around and impact all of you, even you on the right. Right? The gospel's big, the gospel's important. The gospel is the story of Jesus, and the Bible calls it the good news. And if you're here today and you've met Jesus and you know Jesus and your life has been changed and you got this good news inside of you, there should be something going on that's saying, you know what? I got to tell somebody what happened to me. Right? I mean, it's like, it's like a small town like this and somebody opens up a new restaurant that's actually good. <laughs> and you go, what do you want to do? If, I mean, you want to be the first one. I mean, some of you are like, you're burnt, so you don't try the new restaurants. You wait for everybody else to go try. But let's just say you step out and you try the new restaurant and it's good. What do you do? Facebook, tweet, text, calling everybody in their mama, right? It's the same way with Jesus. When you meet Jesus and you're impacted by the gospel, it should cause you to do something different. Amen. That's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. And and we're going to continue, this is going to be a series, we're going, to, we're going to tackle issues like marriage, how the gospel impacts our marriage, how the gospel impacts our finances. You're going to love this one, how the gospel impacts your work. A couple of y'all got it. Waiting on the Holy Spirit to hit the rest of y'all. But one of the statements we left with last week is that the evidence of, a, of someone who's, who's met the gospel and impacted with the gospel is a changed life. There should be something different about us. Amen. Today, I want to talk to you about how the gospel impacts the church. I want to talk to you. The title of today's message is The Gospel Driven Church. The church ought to be driven by the gospel. Would you say that's a good statement? Would you say that's a true statement? I mean, if anybody is driven by the gospel, it should be the church, right? I mean, it's important. <laughs> if you go to a church and they're not preaching the gospel, run fast, like a bear's chasing you, right? A gospel-driven church. I want to show you four points from a gospel-driven church. The first point is this, is a gospel-driven church is all about Jesus and people, not buildings and programs, that's what a gospel-driven church is. It's all about people. It's all about Jesus. If, if you've been to a church where it's about programs or it's about buildings or it's about this or that, then, then maybe they've missed the mark. But the gospel, a gospel-driven church is all about Jesus and people. Some people have made the statement, I love God, but I just don't like people. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand in fear that I might have to raise mine. Just picking. But I would dare to say, if you don't love people, I question whether or not if you really love God. Right? Now, that doesn't mean that at times you don't get tired of people. That doesn't mean that at times people don't get on your nerves. On your last nerve. Right? Some of you got some folks like that. Right? Right? But a gospel-driven church is all about Jesus and people. 1 Peter 2.5 says that you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So you yourself are being built up, the Bible says, as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. So you've been impacted by the gospel and your life is now changing. We talked about how in in Corinthians it says that you've gone from the, the old man to the new man, right? And you've become new and the old man is gone, right? And we talked about how the new man is a process. And how you should forever change to be more and more like Jesus. The scripture actually says that we should be changing. It, it's funny because it never says when we should stop changing. How many of you are 50 and older? Just, just quickly raise your hand. Some of you, do, you don't even look your age. I mean, seriously. 50 and older. Does the Bible say that when you turn 50, you can retire from the gospel? Does the Bible say when you turn 60, you can stop preaching the gospel? Does the Bible say at any age that you should stop doing something, stop changing, stop becoming more like Jesus? Miss Mary, have you stopped becoming more like Jesus? Thank God. Right? We should never stop changing. Can I be honest with you? There's times I've looked at it and I've gone, you know what, man? I can't wait till I get older and I can just kind of hit the cruise control. I mean, I hit a whopping 40 this year. I know I don't look like it. I still look like I'm 25. Come on. This is your chance to build up your pastor. I might preach a little shorter. I don't know. But I started growing my beard, and it's really showing my age. But I keep looking for a cruise control. Is anybody else like that? You're, just, you're looking for a chance to just, you know, I just want to cruise for a while. mm I believe God is gracious and he works us at a pace, a good healthy pace, right? But I think we should forever be changing. And the church should forever be changing to be more and more like Jesus. When people come to church, they they should see Jesus. When you leave the building and you go to your house, your neighborhood, your workplace, the grocery store, wherever it is that you go, you're still the church. Right? And you you should still be driven by the gospel. Right? It doesn't change when you leave here today. In about 30-40 minutes. It doesn't change. You can now turn your gospel button off. No, you can't do that. Well, you can. But that's not the way it was intended to be. Right? Because we're the church outside the building. And a gospel-driven church is all about Jesus and people. We love the world because God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's what we want to do is we want to give away Jesus to people that don't know him. We want to impact others with the gospel. Right? That's why we plant churches. That's why we continue. That's why we're on September 14th, we're launching our, our Crowley campus. Is because we want to impact the, the the city of Crowley, but not just the city, the whole area, the region around Crowley. We want to impact them with the gospel. We're not going in saying that nobody else is doing that. We're just going in and saying that this is what God's called us to do. Because you know this, or you should know this, that if everybody in Eunice showed up for church today, there would not be enough buildings to hold them. Much less the people from Mamu and Lost Meg and Basil and... All them other names we can't pronounce. (laughs) Prudum. Right? But God's called us to plant churches, so we're a church planting church. And we plant into other cities, and we're going to continue to plant. I want you to watch this video real quick of a couple in our Jennings church.
2: You and I have known each other for a long time. We go way back. We've known each other, what, 15 years after we grew up... Awesome, awesome i remember
1: and you were like, oh, why don't you play this Sunday? And then like two days later, because was like, did you know that Easter, like the Super Bowl Sunday? And like, I
2: was like, oh, what am I supposed to do? In the very beginning, Val was super nervous, anxious about getting in front of people, and worried about different things. I mean, what were some of the things that you had to torture? My on Sundays is And that you know, once she got up there and started playing that you know, worship was going to flow out of her because she has a gift and then it became any easier and just after Sunday and Sunday after Sunday it got better and initially now she needs very little of me, even though you know sometimes she's still I mean, I'm still so <laughs> she still does sometimes. When <laughs> during the countdown I'm like, okay, I'm not I guess I've been doing this for like almost
1: a year anyway. And then the countdown starts and the sunder drops. Is that why you would say that you're coming to Crowley? Oh, yeah. Like there's definitely a longing and a desire to be worship because, like, like singing and worshiping and being able to hear the whole congregation so you know that God poured through me—you know, it's not me, but knowing that God is using me to help bring people. To because
2: you've grown up in the James Church for long as I've known Yeah, i almost since the beginning. That's been your, your church family, your church home, and so you guys stepping out, coming to a new city, a completely unfamiliar place, people you don't know, um, doing things that you've never done before. Like Madeline, I mean, you're doing something that. doesn't matter how old you are like I think a lot of times people allow an age to limit what you can do and what God can do for you I mean you're what 22? Yeah. 22 years old you're in worship if you could have people specifically pray for you uh, about you going
1: You know, the closer you uh, get, I definitely feel like, you know, it's when the enemy starts to whisper, <coughs> to, you're not good enough, or you're too sick, or you don't know what you're doing. You know, and it's not, like, <coughs> it's just those little whispers and little words of that. So just, I guess, like, protection from that. Sure. And just, um, the ability and the wisdom to know what God wants me to do. <laughs>
2: We feel your prayers, literally. Um, We feel that you guys are with us and staying with us. It's just such a blessing to have Jennings and Eunice be totally behind us, encouraging us and supporting us.
0: Amen. This morning, there they've actually got everybody that's um, been a part of the Crowley launch team so far. They're in Jennings this morning. You know, pray for them and send them off. And so we've got some people from this campus that have, uh, they actually live in Crowley. And, and so they're, they're there this morning. So we're, I want to say we're losing some people, but we're not losing some people. We're sending some people to Crowley. Amen. And, and, and these, these folks have been with us for a little while. They've been, I think all of them have been trained in children's church. And, and so they're going already trained to love on kids in Crowley. That's a blessing. Amen. I mean, that's awesome that you can do that, that we, as, as a church, I mean, there's a bunch of people coming from Jennings. We're sending out about five or six from Eunice. And so there's a collaboration of about 40 to 45 people that are going to be there to launch the church. And that's important, right? These are people that have been impacted by the gospel, that their lives have started to change, Right. They, they've, they've started to be, be trained, they've started to be disciplined, they've started the process of walking with God. The new man has begun, the new life has begun, right? And it's going to continue in Crowley. And so they, the, the scary thing is, is that most of them are new, new believers. And so they're going to Crowley and it's like God's just taking them right off the bat, amen? And so it's going to be a great opportunity for them. So point number two is that a gospel-driven church is not just a teaching center, it's also a training center. Watch what Ephesians says in, in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. It says, and he gave some, or he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. We're supposed to be training you. The job that, that the Bible describes, my job is, is an equipper. I'm supposed to equip you, and you're supposed to do the work of the ministry. How many of you come from a church where the pastor does everything? You, you can raise your hand. So you won't get kicked out. How many of you come to, from a church where, where the pastor had to always be at the hospital? The pastor had to always visit the sick. Right? The pastor always had to go and visit the new people. How many of you grew up thinking that? You know, the Bible actually talks differently than that. The Bible says that that the the job of the pastor, the shepherd, is to shepherd the people, but to equip them to do the work of the ministry. Right? So a gospel-driven church is about training people. It's not just a teaching center where you come and you learn something and then you go in and it's just about you applying that to your life. It's that you take what you've learned and you go out and you you implement that into the world around you. Is this making sense? It's a training center. A religion-centered church says that you fill the stands and you watch the pastors play the game. A gospel-centered church says that you're on the field and the pastors coach you in the game. You know what's cool about this out- outreach we did 2 weeks ago was that I wasn't really the driving force. Now me naturally I'm I'm a jump in and take charge kind of guy. I I have I got to make myself sit down and watch. You you with me? I mean I, I want to I just like being in charge. Control freak. I just said I said it. I feel a whole lot better now. I said I really do. I'm I'm a control freak. I mean I want to control everything. Right? But the outreach we did was I just, I was just part of the team. I mean, I had all the plans. I was going to cook. I was going to do all this. Mr. Dale came and, and Derek came and, and, and Chris came. And then and finally, I just, I saw these guys are better at this than me. So I just backed out. I just kind of slowly slipped out the back and I let them deal with the food. And they did a great job, right? That's the way it's supposed to be. You're supposed to do the work of the ministry, not just me. Doesn't mean that I don't do the work of the ministry. Doesn't mean I don't go to the hospital and visit the sick. Doesn't mean I don't go visit the new people, right? I love to do those things. But that's what a gospel-driven church does. It's a training center. And that's what we're doing. We've trained people here in Crowley. I mean, in Eunice that we're sending to Crowley. And it's a blessing. You know, when you go to most hospitals, you see the doctor walking around and you see nurses, right? Walking around and the nurse will come in. Then the doctor will come in. But Pastor Josh was telling me the story about how at New Orleans Children's Hospital, when they come into the room, when the doctor comes in, he has a, a legion of about 12 nurses with him. Nurses are, are practicing doctors, doctors that are getting ready to start. And he's training them the whole time. You follow me? So when they come in, it's like a whole legion of them. They're just standing in the door. They're taking notes. They're You with me? That's the way it should be. That's the way a gospel-driven church should be. 1 Peter 4.10 says that God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Here's the funny thing is that everybody in here has a gift. Every one of you has a spiritual gift from God to do something that I can't do. To do something that the person sitting next to you probably can't do. You've got a gift. And I think one of the greatest secrets in Christianity is that when you discover what your gift is, that you just walk in that gift. Amen? And you're fine with it. You're not trying to do everybody else's thing. You're not trying to do what what Carla can do. You're You're just doing what God's called you to do. And let me tell you something. After discovering that, it's freeing. To know that God's built me to do what I'm doing, I'm happy. I love doing what I'm doing. It's when I try to do somebody else's that I get frustrated. I thought I was going to have to lead worship this morning. I was frustrated when I first thought that. I was like, man, I'll run everybody out to church, and then Mamie's going to come and sing. made me feel better, and Steve's going to come and play. made me feel a whole lot better. I promise you. Anyway, it had been terrible. But we're not just a teaching center. We're training you to do ministry. Number three, the gospel-driven church is more concerned with its sending capacity than its seating capacity. We should be sending people out. Cheryl and I were sent here. We were comfortable in Jennings. Can I just be honest with you? We didn't have many responsibilities. I'd worked my way off the worship team. And I was just kind of like going to church, sitting down, listening to somebody preach. That's nice. Didn't have to prepare a message. Didn't have to worry about if the band was going to show up. I didn't have to worry about anything. But we were sent. We were sent out. And I'm glad we did because we didn't become comfortable. Amen. We weren't comfortable. Romans 10 says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how can anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. The Bible says your feet are beautiful. (laughs) I ain't even. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all want me to put my shoes off? My wife said no. But well, somehow or another, that means something good. <laughs> but the Bible gets excited when we go and we tell people the good news. Amen? Because there's a world of people around us that don't know the good news. That need to hear the good news. Not only do they need to hear it, they need to see it. They need to see it like the people that received back from Zacchaeus what was stolen from them saw that the power of the gospel is real. They says there's something incredible about what happened. It's almost unexplainable that when they see the gospel working in you, you're preaching the good news. Come on, somebody. When you go to your neighbor's house and you pick up the trash that flew from off the street into his yard without him knowing, you're preaching the gospel. When the little old lady that lives next door is barely strong enough to pull her little garbage can to the street for the garbage man and you go and you do it for her, you're preaching the gospel. Right when you see a little kid that doesn't have enough money to to have a nice book bag to go to school and you go buy him a book bag, you're preaching the gospel. Come on, that's preaching the gospel, that's the ministry, that's the power of God working on this planet, that's miracles happening. Sometimes we get so excited about things happening inside the church, and oh, I had this feeling. And then we leave here and we forget that we're the gospel. When it should really be happening outside these walls. Where you should be running into people that God set up to be in your path. And you bless them with the good news. And you act upon what God's stirring in your heart. And things change. Amen. Amen. That's why I can make a statement like it's not my job to do the ministry. It's my job to equip you to go and do the ministry. Because that's the way it's supposed to happen. Because I can't reach who you reach. Lyle, I can't reach the students at Church Point. You can. I can't reach the people at the, at the newspaper, but you can. Amen? That's why it's important for us to be the gospel. Because there's a world around you that's lost without it. And let me tell you something. God is powerful enough to put those people in your place. To put them in front of you. You'll run into them every day. And most of the time, you want to know how you know if you're running into people that God wants you to be the gospel to? is when they aggravate you. You know, I said something last week. I just made a little comment about, you know, you, you shouldn't be aggravated with the little girl who can't get your order right. Went to the fast food restaurant yesterday. Taco Bell. Taco Bell doesn't have fajita meat. That's like saying McDonald's doesn't have burgers. I mean, she just had everything messed up. And I'm sitting there and I'm, 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 I'll be honest with you. I was welling up inside. I was hot, sweaty, and hungry. And I just wanted a fajita quesadilla and they didn't have them. And I wanted to tell that girl how to run the business, but I didn't praise God. And I tried to get this under control before I got around to the thing. I tried to hold my voice down, said, thank you. God bless you. May the Lord be with you. And may you get some dig on for you to me. So a gospel-driven church is more concerned about its sending capacity than its seating capacity. I'm excited about Crowley. And can I just tell you that most of this message was built for Crowley. It was built just to, to get you excited about what's going on because we don't want you to miss what's happening. Yeah. We, don't, we don't always get the brunt of what's happening here because we're not central. Jennings is more like central, so they know more than a lot of times we do, right? But it's a big deal. And people are being sent out to go preach the gospel, to go be the gospel. You know, sometimes people come to this church and they don't know Jesus. And you know, sometimes the first person to show them Jesus is the guy sitting in the parking lot. And then the usher or the greeter. But you know what really impacts people is when their kids get in the car after church. And they've been loved on. People may not like my preaching, but they'll come back to church if their kids have been loved on. Right? They may not like the music. They may not like the the paint on the wall. But if their kids have been loved on, if their kids have been given the gospel, they'll be back. Number four, gospel-driven church is the hope of the world. It's the hope of the world. I've heard a statement for years now that the local church is the hope of the world. It really is. It's the hope of the world. The hope's not in the next president. Right? That's not where our hope comes from. The church is the hope of the world. How do we change this world? How do we change the things that frustrate us? By preaching the gospel, by being the gospel. By changing people one at a time, two at a time, whatever God trusts you with. Amen. Mm -hmm. Remember one time I was frustrated with my job and I wanted to quit. I actually did quit, but God sent me back the next day of all things. I was like, come on, God. So I quit my job and I'm, I'm eating supper with my wife and God says, go back what go back. So I go back the next morning and I was working for one of the hardest guys I'd ever worked for. And I walk up and I say, uh, they called him tip. I said, Hey tip. I said, uh, I said man, I'm sorry. I left yesterday. I'm sorry. I got mad. Can I have my job back? And this is the first thing he said, Oh, it's the money, huh? <laughs> I just went, uh <clears throat> yeah, that's what it is. I said, No, man, I said, God sent me back. He told me to come back and finish. And Tip had never had anybody ever do that. Tip's been hit on the job. Tip's been cussed at. He's almost been run over. I mean he's just ruthless, okay? He's never had anybody say, No, I'm I'm back because God told me to come back. And he watched my life. And God told me, he said, you're going to finish this job because I got something for you to do here. And I stayed. He told me, he said, you'll stay until the road opens. My last day, they opened all the barricades and let the road open. And I was there for a reason. I led one guy to the Lord on the railroad tracks in Kinder. We're standing. We had a little break. And I led him to to Christ. And I, I lived Christ out in front of Tip. Now, I don't know where Tip's at today. He didn't he didn't give his life to Jesus on my watch, but I planted some seeds. Right. I I displayed the gospel to him. I didn't cuss him like I wanted to. I didn't beat him like I wanted to. You with me? Come on. One of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. And there's people around you that need to thank God for that fruit of the spirit. Right. Especially when you walk in it. But we're the hope of the world. Amen. That should change you today. It should do something in you that would cause you to, to go out and, and, and preach the gospel and live the gospel in front of people. So here at our Savior's church, I'm going to finish up with this and maybe you can, you can go play. Here at our Savior's church, we want to be a gospel-driven church. Where we're interested in people and Jesus before we're interested in anything else. We want to make sure that we're, we're living Christ out in front of others, that we're preaching about Jesus, that we're sharing Jesus, and that we're also loving people and reaching out to people. Amen. So our vision is to reach people and build lives. That's what we're about. It's all about people. And it's, it, this is the fun, this is the thing I'm learning about ministry. It's about people, any person that God sends your way. Because some people want all the, all the good-looking people in town to come to their church. We have them, all right? I don't know how I'm going to get myself out of this one. <laughs> Let's pray. <you> know? <laughs> but we just want to love people. Any people that God send our way, we just want to love them, right? And then God will trust us with more. And so I believe that for for this campus right here is that the more and the better we take care of the people that God's given us, the more God will trust us with. Amen? So my challenge to you this week is to go and live the gospel. Make people curious about you. Make them ask the question, what's changed them? And it doesn't matter what age or what stage you're at people need to see that you're still in a living relationship with Jesus and that he's alive inside of you. When your hair turns gray, you still got something going on. Amen. You still got a little fuel in the tank. Come on. Too many people retiring these days. Too many people dropping out. They say that, that the American church is dying at a rate that it's never died at before. People between the age of 18 and 30 are dropping out of church like they've never dropped out before. And you know what they say the biggest reason is? It's because they're not being used. They're not being used. They're like, okay, I mean, because think about it. If If I don't challenge you to go out, if I don't create an opportunity for you to go and reach out to other people, what does it get? It gets mundane. I mean, this right here can get mundane, right? It can get routine. And I don't ever want to be that. Amen? Because it's not about this right here. This right here needs to be an explosion of what's happened out there all week. Right? Right? I mean, we should have stories. People should be excited. I should be getting text messages and emails. Pastor, let me tell you what happened today. My boss got saved. The little girl at Taco Bell got saved. And they got some fajita meat, praise Jesus. Come on, I want to hear stories like that, right? I don't want to be mundane. Dear goodness, we're the living church. When Jesus died on the cross, it brought us from spiritual death into spiritual life. We got to live, right? Live, live in your job, live in your neighborhood, live at the grocery store. Live when you go to your mama's house this afternoon and eat some lunch. Love somebody, serve them a plate, treat them kind. Kind. Let them see you become more and more like Jesus. Don't ever stop changing. Don't ever stop changing. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I just come to you, Lord, and I pray for this church. I pray for the folks today, Lord, that are being sent out to Crowley. Lord, that city doesn't know what's going to happen. That city doesn't know what's getting ready to shake the grounds, Lord. And it's not our Savior's church, Lord. It's the gospel. People are being reached and lives are going to be built, Lord. Just like you've been doing in Jennings, like you're doing here in Eunice. Lord. we're reaching people and building lives, Father. We're giving away what you've given to us. Freely, we've been given to. Freely, we're going to turn around and give. I pray for this church, Lord, that we live. We live this new life with energy and, 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 Lord, with just a passion to see people change. To love this world, this dying world, this world that makes us mad. Lord, this world that aggravates us and frustrates us. Lord, help us to see it different. Help us to see it how you see it, Lord, because you're full of compassion. And you're passionate about these people. You gave your life. You gave your only son for these people. Lord, help us as a church, as as the body of Christ, to go and live the gospel. Preach the gospel. Never to be ashamed of the name of Jesus. Never, to never, Father, just be ashamed to to call myself a Christian. Never be ashamed to to do what, what you've called me to do, Lord. Help us, Father. And I bless you, Lord. Stir us up this morning, Lord. Stir us. Stir us up, Lord. Stir us up right now. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now, you just begin to stir us up. Every person in every seat, Father, just stir us up. Right now, Lord, just stir us up. You've not called us to live a mundane life, Lord. You've called us to live a life on fire. A life full of life. Stir us up. May we never retire from the gospel. May we never retire from your kingdom's work. May we never lose the flame. May we never, Father, just give up. Stir us up, Lord. Lift your hands towards heaven this morning like you're going to receive something. Just right now, where you are at? And I just believe the Holy Spirit's going to touch everybody in this church this morning that that wants to just live this life, this gospel-filled life. Right now, Lord, I just ask you to touch them, Lord. Just touch them right now. Fill them with your spirit. Give them fresh fire. Set them on fire. Lord, put a new energy in them. Put a new gospel in them. Lord, stir them up. I pray that, Father, we continue to become more and more like you, Jesus. That, Lord, we don't ever stay the same. Change us, Lord. If anybody's stuck today, Lord, kick them out the mud. If anybody's just kind of spinning their wheels, Lord, push them this morning. If anybody's scared, Lord, just be with them and encourage them, Father, this morning. doesn't matter where you're at. doesn't matter your stage. Jesus wants to use you to reach this lost and dying world. And I want you to say this with me. if you, Only if you mean it. I want you to say, use me, Lord. I want you to say this, stir me up, Lord. Breathe new breath into my lungs. Set me on fire, Lord. With an unquenchable flame. Stir me up, Lord. And run me into lost people. Just run me into them. I just pray this church this week, Father, we just have head-on collisions all week in the spirit. And Father, you run us into lost people. Father, you run us into dying people. You run us into other believers that have, their flame is just barely hanging on. People that have met you and their life was impacted, but it became mundane. Run us into those folks, Lord. And I pray that, Father, when we bump into them, something will transfer. So, Lord, I bless you this morning. I thank you for your power. I thank you for your might. I thank you for your love and your care for us. You love this dying world, Lord. saved me to go save others you rescued me to rescue others you called me out to call others out Lord I believe this morning the Lord saying to us I dare you to dare me so my challenge I want you to look at me real quick my challenge for you is this I want you either this afternoon or in the morning. I want you to say, Lord, set me up. Set me up this week. I dare you to do that. And then when those people come, like they will, when you pray that, they will come. Lost, hurt, broken, beaten, down and out people will come your way. And sometimes they come with a, with a three-piece suit on. So don't think that broken people look poor. Sometimes they come all dressed up. But on the inside, they're beaten and broken. When he sends them, this is all I want you to do. Is to do whatever you feel like it's in your heart to do for them. It could be as simple as a glass of water. It could be as simple as paying for lunch. It could be as simple as saying, hey, God loves you. Is there anything I can do for you? I dare you to do that. I challenge you. And when something good happens, let me know. I want to hear something back. I gotta know that I gotta know the church is alive. Right? I mean, because it's like me getting up every week telling you what I've had happen in my life and not you telling me. Let me know. Call me. Something. Email, text. Amen. I want you to know this. I love you. You are the hope of the world in this area. You're the hope of the world. You're the hope of the world that God has for you. That region of people that he's trusted you with. You're the hope. And it doesn't matter who you are. You're the hope. I love you. I love you. I pray for you. Sometimes I get up early in the morning with your face in my mind. I thank God for you. And I'm glad you're a part of this church. I'm glad we get to do life together. And just on a side note, only good looking people come to our Savior's church. Come on, somebody. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?